I V M. Folks, welcome to Pesa Pesa. I'm your host Anupam Gupta, B50 on Twitter, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the importance of fixed income and gold in your portfolio, in your asset allocation. Now, we've done a lot of shows. Over the last few months, on investing during this crisis and how to how to sort your portfolio, where to focus more, and what to do. We've we've covered a lot of ground on the equity side, you know, stuff about index funds, ETFs, uh, large cap, mid cap, small cap, and uh, and a lot of stuff, including from a top down perspective of asset allocation. But I've never had anyone to talk about a very critical um, asset in our portfolio, assets actually in our portfolio, which have a lot of potential. One is fixed income. Uh, and the other is gold now fixed income could be of any type and our guest will tell us about that and investing in gold also now comes in a lot of forms you don't have to buy the actual physical gold as people would at some point of time okay so that's the topic and so uh, so now uh, let me introduce our guest today so my guest is Saurabh Pansal founder finadwork a sebi registered investment uh, advisory firm based in bangalore so Saurabh, welcome to paisa paisa yeah? thank you so much for doing this for the listeners let's start with a brief intro to yourself, your background, and how you started Finetwork. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the introduction, uh, Anupam. And I'm really glad to be here in the show. Um, I, I grew up in a fairly middle-class setup. Uh, my father was a government employee. Uh, he was uh, in the electricity board. So, uh, you know, a lot of my early childhood was spent near... Uh, you know, power stations. Um, like most families, there was a lot of focus on education. Um, so I went to IIT for engineering and followed up with an MBA from IIM. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, was looking westwards. Uh, so my work took me to, um, you know, uh, various places, uh, initially in Europe and uh, subsequently in US. Uh, but at some point of time, the calling took over. Uh, I wanted to come back home. Um, I also was keen to uh, try my hand at entrepreneurship. Okay. Um, you know, that's when the idea of uh, uh, Network was born. Um, so, you know, very soon actually we'll be completing uh, 10 years uh, of oh, wow. our uh, journey as a... Fantastic. So you guys, so you, you started this advisory back in 2010. I think at that point of time, there was no concept of a registered investment advisor and stuff like that. So 2010 must be such a different era, right? It was indeed, uh, Anupam. And, you know, I'll be honest, it has been a very eventful journey. Uh, You're right, 2010, when I used to kind of uh, approach uh, the clients, uh, you know, uh, real estate and uh, fixed deposits, right? That used to be the primary uh, investment avenue for for most people and this is in bangalore i i yeah 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 okay um and and you know capital markets and mutual fund used to kind of get a very uh limited share of the overall investment pie Hmm. Uh, so so i think this whole idea was uh uh you're right ahead of its time you know who was an advisor and the need for an advisor was perhaps the last thing which was there in people's mind Sure. Uh, you know, over the course of uh, last 10 years, a lot of uh, significant events uh, have happened. Uh, you know, okay. demonetization and uh, 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 GST, and that all led to formalization of savings. And that's where we right. are now, right? I mean, the capital markets uh, have yeah. now come to the forefront. 
and uh, you know the need for it yeah. start so, to be felt just to get this right for our listeners you are a fee only planner right i mean if i am going to take your services i i have to pay you a fee or do you offer other services also yeah so so that was the whole uh, idea with which uh, in fact during this 10 10 year period you know this whole concept of advisory was also born so hmm. you know, sebi uh, you know came out with the investment advisory regulations in 2013 and they kind of segregated you know this this new uh, class of uh, you know intermediaries uh, separate from rest of them uh, so you're right uh, in in the truest sense an advisor is someone who gets compensated by uh, its clients and not sure. by the products they distribute okay understood so now let's get it get into the current era uh, you know we are recording this somewhere in the middle of july my guess is it will probably play out in august or in september for the last few months probably since march you know we 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 had a massive crisis that's been going on on the health front market stock markets have of, of course been behaving in their own in in their own way and in the end of march of course you had huge events happening and the broad trend since then have been that equity markets have gone up i think a few debt markets have also recovered and are doing reasonably well and gold of course is is in its own scene real estate i think is just generally frozen So can you just walk our listeners through what's been your experience on the financial planning front for your clients in these past you know four four odd months any big trends that you were seeing any you know when this entire thing from when the from when this crisis started to where things are today an entire progression of that if you can just walk our listeners through uh, what's been your experience as a as an advisor you know that maybe our maybe our listeners can then figure out uh, where they are in the entire scheme of things sure so as we kind of rewind and kind of go back to the start of uh, this year you know nobody expected uh, you know 2020 would turn out to be such an eventful year and and you're right i mean there was a steep fall uh, in equity indices uh, across mm. across the world right uh, i mean all the major indices fell anywhere from 30 to 40% and uh, you know feb march time frame as you would recollect uh, uh, yeah, there was a palpable fear right Uh, as as most of the uh, you know investors were kind of caught off guard um, and then in times like these i think uh, you know uh, people realize the importance of uh, asset allocation um, and i kind of want to spend a little bit of time on on this concept uh, sure. because you know asset allocation means uh, you know different things to different people uh, so l- let me give you you know an example of what i mean by asset allocation uh okay so so one of my friends um, one of my clients actually uh, you know used to always insist on having a 100% equity portfolio mm-hmm. uh, and his argument was that uh, you know my provident fund you know epf ppf and uh, you know fixed deposits uh, kind of take care of the debt component right so all he wanted to do was you know having a 100% equity portfolio and and here's the point i wish to make right uh, looking at Uh, different asset classes disparately right as isolated buckets uh, kind of limits the beauty of asset allocation so hmm. it's 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 like uh, you know having a 100% equity portfolio uh, is like driving a car with only accelerator right hmm. okay uh, nice comparison so a, a car right needs to have a, a brake you know it needs to have brake it needs to have clutch it needs to have gearbox right to be able hmm. to uh, you know run smoothly and and kind of help you Uh, navigate uh, so in the same way i think a good portfolio also need to have uh, you know debt and gold 
uh, as much as equity right and this whole aspect of fungibility of money right rebalancing to be able to move money from one asset class to another i mm. think is what makes the asset allocation so beautiful right um, so so uh, you know there are different strategies uh, asset allocation strategies which people use to decide upon what that weight would be and how it should be changed correct but uh, i believe i think the macroeconomic environment right uh, kind of supersedes all i mean it plays a very important role in kind of deciding which kind of you know asset class will do in what kind of environment so it's almost like a season you know certain kind of uh, plants and crops tend to do well right and yeah. some don't uh, so likewise uh, you know having a sense of where we are uh, in the economic cycle uh, can really help oneself in positioning you know better for future uh, so for our clients uh, you know we had been actually reducing the exposure to equity uh, from late 2017 to early 2018 and okay. all that money was flowing into debt and gold uh, during that time uh, so come 2020 uh, you know most of our clients portfolios uh, were kind of underweight in equity uh, and you know it kind of helped them navigate through this uh, you know phase uh, fairly smoothly very interesting so i want to just ask you one thing out there when you say that you started exiting the client money out of uh, equity probably into debt or wherever else the nifty went at about 12400 12500 somewhere in jan of this year you know jan feb was actually a very good month for it did you get any pushback back then you know before this crisis started that why is my money not in equities and or why is a higher share of my money not in equity what was that what was it like then because it seems <laughs> so far away that i can't even remember what it was like so did, do you do you remember that yeah so so you're right you're right i mean and uh you know they it kind of sounds a little counterintuitive that you're kind of coming out of an asset class which has been doing well and trying to get into an asset class which is not doing so well um so if you, if kind of just go back or you know go back uh, by year or two gold wasn't mm. such a you know great performing asset class it had been kind of you know going sideways for many years so of course there was a pushback um and uh, but but i think as as i said i mean uh, uh, nobody knows what would be the trigger but eventually i think uh, the market kind of find you know some or the other economic trigger kind of comes in and kind of sets the uh, tone for the future right so Correct. Uh, so, so that's how I, i think to kind of uh, long story sure, short sure, sure. Uh, yeah. basically the allocation to other asset classes right uh, i mean uh, such as debt and gold is as important as uh, equity in portfolio and mm. uh, i think this whole idea of rebalancing you know helps us uh, weather the storm and and makes the whole journey smoother what was it like in march let's get to the you know let's let's get to the actual crisis time what what were your clients calling you up and you know asking you asking to do did you see a lot of withdrawals a lot of people you know coming coming out saying that i don't want to be invest i need cash or urgently what was like you know what was it like back then Uh, you know what anubhav uh, i was actually uh, pleasantly surprised uh, during that period uh, you know i was also hoping uh, i mean expecting right i mean if if you kind of go back to the previous uh, crisis 2008 mm. uh, you know we have all kind of uh, heard about uh, the industry numbers you know there was a lot of withdrawals and sips being stopped and things of that sort i think uh, you know i think that learning right uh, uh, 
has has stayed with with the investors so what i i i found particularly was that you know people were kind of uh, far more measured in in their approach everybody wanted to know i mean uh, when every day the market is falling by 7 8% people would kind of want to know where would it stop um, or whether the right time has come for us to kind of you know start loading back the equities uh, but uh, i think the the response was far far uh, more measured so i i thought people were able to kind of uh, at least our set of investors uh, mainly because their portfolios had been balanced and had a decent exposure uh, Uh, and and if you recollect right both debt and gold have done fairly well in in this yes. period hmm. so that provided them the stability and that comfort uh, you know uh, that they they were able to kind of uh, pass through that period quickly sure. sure. did you have any people asking you that let you know that we want to change our asset allocation big time and get into equities because data has shown that these last few months people probably you know are sitting at home have have taken a very big interest in investing in stocks directly so how did that did you see any trend out there over the last few months can you you know do you have any evidence or any experience to share to our listeners for that sure uh, so uh, in fact at our end also uh, i think we had uh, you know gradually as the prices kind of kept falling uh, and uh, you know uh, central banks kind of got into action the interest rates started to go down i think equity had again started to look attractive so at our end also we started kind of moving back money to equities um and uh, you're right i mean uh, i mean as as i hear about the numbers um, you know the number the the number of demat accounts which have been opened uh, in us i think uh, uh, you know there are these robinhood traders who have also kind of come up in exactly. a big way and in india of course zerodha has kind of uh, you know shared some of the witness some of the largest account opening numbers in, in last few months so yeah this this whole uh, you know but but the way kind of equity market has gone up has obviously taken a lot of people by surprise um in fact <laughs> kind of experience you know experiencing the, that uh, fomo that fear of missing out right some of the people kind of might be feeling that maybe i am kind of little less exposed uh, to equity than i should have been sure so you know in 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 general what was your experience with with your clients did they you know did what was the logic when they started to get into these stocks did they want to get into equities directly did they want to get into mutual funds did you actually you know see this trend play out in front of you people saying no uh, or maybe in some cases moving out from mutual funds and going directly towards stock as you know is that something that stood out to you as a trend does that say anything for our risk appetite in general uh so uh, definitely i think the interest towards a uh, uh direct equity has uh, has has increased i think there is uh, you know there is definite request coming from our clients to kind of have some portion of their portfolio directly going into stocks sure um, and 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 you know these these crisis times also kind of uh, throw open a lot of uh, um you know a lot of good companies right at at mm-hmm. a very cheap valuation right so uh, uh, and you know it's it's actually good time to accumulate but but you're right i mean one cannot kind of you know one has to separate the the a trader's approach and an investor's approach to uh investing right mm. um and i think what you're referring to uh, of uh, uh you know maybe at the industry at large 
maybe this SIP numbers continue to remain muted while at the same time these uh, direct equity trading has kind of taken off. But I'm not sure whether it's a permanent uh, shift. Yeah, left to be seen maybe. After yeah. the year, maybe we'll know it. So one last thing before we end this first part uh, of this episode, sort of. I want to ask you about this, okay? Somewhere in the, you know, when the early days of the crisis in the third week or towards the end of March, we had a fairly large-ish crisis on debt mutual funds also, uh, ranging from segregation of units uh, related to any big component, you know, of a loan or the actual shuttering down of a few schemes. So that kind of is not something that you see very often. It's not even my, I think this is the first time in the history of debt funds in India that we've actually seen side pocketing of uh, of schemes happening, winding down of schemes happening. We even had a liquidity, almost came close to liquid funds, you know, falling um, in value in the last week of March because of that massive liquidity crunch that we had seen. So these three are things that are not seen in debt mutual funds a lot and of course now of course we've come a very long way from that very long way from that uh i think in some cases though some schemes that were side pocketed have been redeemed and that's done and we made a lot of very 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 positive progress on that front i want your opinion on, on all of this on the issue of whether that changed the perception of debt mutual funds in your clients because we're going to be talking about fixed income on the other side of this break so i just want to set the context right for our for our listeners, what's you know what what's your view of these very rare events that happened in the debt mutual fund industry? Uh, uh, glad you brought it up, Anupam, uh, because I think uh, debt as an asset class is not understood as well as equity. Um, you know, I think for most investors, um, you know, equity is something which they have kind of seen and heard about. Uh, so when the equity market fell, you know, kind of came intuitively for people to kind of uh, increase uh, the exposure, um, you know, they found value buying there. Uh, but debt, uh, you know, uh, the understanding is very limited. Um, and, and this whole space, right? I mean, if you were to kind of uh, uh, divide it, right, one is along duration, the other is along credit, uh, you know, makes it, it's a fairly you know, large uh, space to kind of, uh, you know, but, but I mean, at the same time, it's very natural to put all of, all of that in, in a single bucket. So I think yeah. the issues which you kind of talked about, right, were mostly around credit and liquidity. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, our, our secondary markets in, in uh, debt is, is not so uh, deep and liquid. Uh, so when these redemptions started to hit, in uh, you know late March, uh, you know some of the fund houses kind of found themselves uh, in in a severe liquidity crunch because as a as a mutual fund they are supposed to provide that daily liquidity, uh, but who do you sell it to? Right, there were no takers for them, and that was a time when I think uh, some of the debt funds and and you're right, first time in the history uh, had to actually you know shut off. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, you know, I think it kind of created that dent. Uh, and, and I think there was a point of time, uh, you know, and I was kind of reading uh, that people were kind of started to look debt, uh, you know, found debt to be a little bit more risky than equity. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is kind of uh, you know against your finance one hundred and one. 
right we all know that uh, equity owners are the last one in the queue right when, right uh, when the liquidation and when it happens uh uh you know of course it kind of has that asymmetric uh, uh payout uh, you know if it goes up your kind of upside is limited to some extent uh, sure. but your downside is is unlimited uh, but if you look at the other side the other dimension this is along the duration and look at the uh, quality debt right mm-hmm. or uh, your triple a or your uh, psu or the bank uh, right all of that i think that they, they did phenomenally well right all of them gave double digit returns as we sure. kind of moved uh, later into the year okay great so folks we going to take a break right now when we come back on the other side of this break we are going to talk about the concepts of fixed income and and gold and why they are important from a natural allocation perspective we'll also give you sorab will also talk about you know what in his opinion are uh, some instruments which you could consider for investing in fixed term, uh, in fixed income and and gold and we'll you know we'll wrap the episode with his outlook for the near future uh, for his clients and also for our listeners so don't worry we'll be right back on this episode of better bit And welcome back to this episode of Pesa Pesa. My guest today is Saurabh Bansal, founder of Fin at Work, a SEBI-registered investment advisory firm. In the first part of this episode, we spoke about what's happened in these last few months after the crisis, during the crisis. We spoke a lot about how Saurabh has actually managed to take his clients away from equity in the early parts of the crisis. Throughout, that was a, that that was a strategy that he had followed for his clients throughout through I think end to end 2017 and. and 2018 he also spoke to us about how debt mutual funds have performed in the in the early part of this crisis so since we are talking about debt mutual funds and since this episode is about fixed income and gold so sort of let's start with this why do you think fixed income fixed income and gold is important from an asset allocation perspective i like the comparison that you gave in the starting you know when you said that if you have 100% uh, allocation to equity it's like driving a car with only the acceleration on Now talk to us about the gears. Talk to us about the clutch. Talk to us about the other parts of the car that you think are important. Uh, so Anupam, uh, history is a great teacher. Um, sure. So uh, a lot of uh, you know uh, learnings. If if you kind of go back and look at the past recessions, uh, you'll notice certain patterns actually coming out. Uh, uh, one thing uh, is the role of uh, central bank. Usually during uh, such periods. Uh, you know the central banks become very very active uh you know they kind of uh, uh use all kind of monetary tools which are you know there with them uh they'll they'll start by cutting interest rate aggressively um and as, as you know that uh, kind of uh, interest rates and uh, uh the bond price have got uh, inverse relationship so you know all all the uh, debt uh you know it kind of adds to the performance of all kind of debt funds so uh, if you look at say even in indian context right as we speak now uh you know all the funds which are uh, say gilt funds uh, or your dynamic bond funds or banking and psu debt all of them have done phenomenally well during this period right so uh, so debt provides that natural hedge right okay. uh, when we kind of get into a recessionary kind of uh, phase and i'm kind of limiting myself to the uh, the quality debt uh, because sure. the other element and we briefly kind of spoke about it before the break the credit quality does not do as well because you know the companies are still struggling and trying to come out of the recession uh, 
uh, but uh, you know as the interest rates are cut aggressively the debt and debt portfolio tend to do well uh, and let's yeah. i was yeah, I, I was just going to ask you about gold go on yeah so 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 let's start let's turn our attention to gold right so sure. ever since uh, you know brenton wood uh, woods was abolished all the major currencies uh, uh, across the world have been uh, depreciating against gold uh in fact i was kind of i came across some data from the turn of century uh, you know early 1900s to now almost all the major currencies have lost anywhere from 90 to 95% uh, against uh, gold and okay. uh, every recession leads to further depreciation hmm. right so say in western world where the interest rates have already hit zero uh, the next tool uh, which central bankers tend to use is to start uh, uh, you know start printing money um and uh, the money which kind of we use right it's a fiat currency so i mean in in real terms it kind of loses its value um so this time alone i think during that period we talked about fed had expanded its uh, balance sheet by almost 3 trillion dollars yeah uh, a very short period of time and kind of you know that led to the uh, you know performance out performance of gold during this period and that's what makes gold so unique you know it may not produce something of economic value like equities sure. uh, but it is still you know such a important uh, you know part of any portfolio interesting so are you you know would would i be right in assuming that you feel that gold tends to do well in a crisis because you know because probably because of this trend of central banks monetizing their debt or printing money whichever way you look at it and that's what's been the case I think that happened in the two thousand eight crisis. It's happening right now. Also, gold prices have just been through the roof. So, do you think that? So, you think that's the reason, probably? It is. It is. I mean, uh, and and historically, if you just pull up the chart of gold, right? Uh, you know, it's the same pattern repeating again, and again. Um, you know, you are right. Two thousand eight, we have seen that uh, remarkable, uh, you know, rally in gold, which happened, uh, and 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 the recent past, right? We have that data. Sure. uh gold is kind of touching almost all time high hmm. um, so so that's what kind of makes it such an important uh, you know piece uh, of of the whole portfolio you know uh, okay. that car analogy we talked about yes so two questions here sort of now um one is in terms of percentage exposure to each asset class what's your general view on over the lifetime of an investor you know which could be anywhere between i don't know 20 30 40 50 years depending on the age of the investor so that's the first question and second the next logical one is what are the best instruments that you feel that if anyone wants to have an exposure to fixed income and gold what would be the way to go about so let's start with this asset allocation in terms of percentages between various asset classes in your view how does it pan out over an investor's life cycle so you know people use uh, different uh, asset allocation uh, strategies uh, you know and frameworks to decide uh, Uh, the weightages of each of these components um so uh, you know uh, broadly speaking there are three um, there is a strategic asset allocation wherein one kind of look at um, you know one's risk appetite and uh, uh, time horizon of the goal and then take a call uh, that okay maybe you know i'll have a 60 or 50 40 10 right 50 equity 40 debt and 10 hmm. gold yeah and try to kind of rebalance as and when kind of you know they get unbalanced 
Um, so, you know, for instance, if, if there has been rally in equity and kind of goes up, the, the weightage goes up, you kind of rebalance and bring it back to the original weightages. Uh, that's one approach. Uh, the sure. other approach is uh, um, a tactical asset allocation where kind of uh, people take more of a rubber band kind of uh, approach. That is, mm. these numbers are not kind of cast in stone. There is kind of maybe 10% of rubber band on both sides. And based upon my view of a particular asset class, I can take a call whether to go to 40 or 60 as well, right? giving it a little bit of liberty and room to kind of uh, move around. And, and the third is, which is what, uh, you know, we kind of follow is kind of uh, a dynamic asset allocation approach, wherein, um, you know, we look at the macroeconomic environment and uh, where we are in the business cycle. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so I, the reason I referred to that 2017-18, right, uh, late 2017-2018, because we were getting sense that we were kind of uh, at the peak of the economic cycle, of the business cycle, and there were signs of you know kind of uh, on, on the way down and, and therefore okay. we kind of positioned ourselves a little differently hmm. and uh, we kind of went underweight in equities uh, than usually one would be so we were kind of severely underweight in equities during this whole period sure. um, and, and overweight on debt and gold okay the best instruments now if someone you know wants to get into fixed income and gold what would you tell them so uh, you know uh, we Indians have been accumulating gold for many centuries. Uh, it's kind of part of our tradition, right? uh, you know, marriage uh, uh, ceremonies to anniversaries, to festivals, um, Akshatitya, Diwali, right? Gold has been part of our culture. So physical gold, right, in, in many of its forms, coins, bar, jewels, uh, is something we have all seen pretty closely growing up. Uh, what is interesting is that there are some interesting innovations which have come up. Uh, so, for instance, sovereign gold scheme has been mm. a very interesting innovation introduced by RBI, uh, wherein one can also earn uh, interest uh, while the underlying asset kind of moves along with the gold. Yeah, price. I wanted to explain that this SGB, the sovereign gold bond concept, was because it was just open. You know, now of course we're in July, so it was open a while ago. I just explain to our listeners how this instrument works because I feel that a lot of us still don't properly understand it. Sure. Uh, so, uh, you know, sovereign gold bond uh, is, a, is a very interesting innovation. Uh, so, unlike a physical, a physical gold, you know, which kind of has all the issues of buying and storage uh, and all of those, uh, you know, this kind of takes away a lot of hassles. You know, in a sense, it's a kind of a, a promise, a sovereign promise to kind of have, you know, holding gold uh, mm. in, a, in a paper form. And what makes it interesting is that, you know, you kind of get incentivized and earn. Uh, I think at the moment, the interest rate is around some two and a half percent or so. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, and, and typically the, you know, the time frame is around, say, seven, eight years. Um, and if you kind of uh, you know, give it back uh, and, and, you know, whatever is the underlying gold price, which has moved from the time you purchase to, to the time of uh, closure, you get to have that appreciation. Um, what also makes it interesting is that, you know, uh, kind of there are some tax advantages associated with it. And there's some bit of liquidity also, which comes after the fifth year. So that means that, uh, so you buy it at today's gold price, you hold on to it. And so this is a liquid instrument. It's not close ended, right? 
it is kind of close ended uh, at least for the first few years okay uh, okay and uh, you know after fifth year you know one can actually buy it in the secondary market but the market is not so liquid at the moment right so okay, uh, okay. you probably may not be able to realize its true uh, price sure and the capital gains on on this like if you buy at 100 and say that you know the price actually doubled after 5 or 7 years then you sell it back to the government or back in the primary market or secondary market at 200 so, so the capital gains what would be that yeah so that's where the tax advantage also kind of comes in if you kind sure. of uh, sell it back right to uh, uh to rbi i mean to kind of, you kind of hold it on over the entire period uh, okay so the entire capital gain tax is is uh, kind of is uh, can be avoided okay uh, but if you sell it of course in the secondary market then the capital gain tax implication sure go on please you were you were talking about so sovereign gold bond as probably the best way to invest in gold would i be right in saying that uh yes and no so okay. if you kind of go back to the uh, the fungible the fungibility part of the asset allocation right uh, and that's where i think the other two forms right the gold etf and gold mutual fund uh, find their merit hmm. uh, because you know uh, it's it's far easier to do the rebalancing if you wish to kind of take a tactical call on gold right if if you think that oh maybe you know this this rally is around for a year or two it's far you know it's far more easy to actually uh, you know buy it over the uh, you know uh, as an exchange traded fund or as a mutual sure. or as a mutual fund okay so would that be it i mean we've covered fixed income we've we've covered gold uh, would that be the list of instruments that you would be recommending to your clients if they want an exposure to these asset classes so, right so so i think we talked about gold so maybe i can uh, spend uh, you know briefly uh, about the fixed income as well as we spoke uh, so see fixed income market is uh, uh, far bigger than equity market globally uh, but when when it comes to india the options are uh, quite limited as far as the retail investors are concerned um, so uh, you know if if you look at say the primary market right there are very few mm. issues which come uh in in the primary market for open for the retail subscription and you know you have to kind of wait for the window to open up um secondary market unfortunately is not so developed um not so liquid so you know the bid ask spreads are big and uh you know the market i mean so you're saying that if someone actually wants to buy a debt instrument in the market at a retail level it's obviously not very easy for him to do like if i want to buy a, a government bond or an nbfc bond or something of that sort the 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 probably the procedure and the choices are in that available to me that is correct that is correct okay. uh, even gsex yeah. even gsex right are uh, unlike say uh, western markets uh, are not mm. that easily accessible sure uh, so kind of debt mutual fund seems like the most convenient route um, you know at this point of time okay so you i think the there you also have the bharat bond etf also which came out do you have any view on that because that i think opened up a completely new asset class within debt to for a lot of people yeah yeah i think that 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 is again a, a very interesting uh, uh, concept uh, bharat bond and uh, you know uh, and then in fact the first subscription when when it came right from the time then the interest rates have actually gone down so it has mm. also done well and uh, i think i've i've seen kind of lot of interest when this new issue has come up 
so you're right i think uh, etfs uh, going forward are going to be uh, you know have a, a, a is going to be another uh, possible avenue for investing in this space sure okay sir so that's 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 just about it i we let's close on what's your call now going forward across categories whether it's equity whether it's fixed income whether it's gold what are you telling your clients from a strategic perspective tactical perspective what should they be doing now going forward you know from your financial planning perspective let's end on that note sure so uh, unlike the past recession uh, you know covid is a health crisis uh, you know something which we have kind of not seen for decades uh, so I, i doubt i have that expertise to kind of guess how will this whole thing play out hmm. uh, but i can definitely share what we are doing uh, in our clients portfolio uh, so after that uh, serious correction uh, you know which happened in feb march uh, we had kind of had been starting uh, we had started to build back the equity positions for our clients mm-hmm. um, uh, this rally might have you know uh, uh, you know did catch us by, by surprise but i think the way to go is uh, to kind of you know start building back those uh, equity positions uh the secondly on the on the debt front we are kind of uh, sticking uh, to uh, to the middle and okay. avoiding the either end of the duration uh, so we are kind of staying to the low to medium duration um, of of uh, funds uh, you know the interest rates have actually come down quite a bit so you know so that means that you would not be looking at something on the shorter side like an ultra short or something of that you know an ultra short or uh red risk and you would not be looking at the di- at the longer term yield also would i be right in assuming that so when i meant by sh- what i meant by short was at the very short end so i would kind of avoid the liquid and ah, overnight sure uh, i would still be there with low and medium duration and you're right uh, the other extreme end right being uh, the the high end of duration is something which uh, is we are not comfortable with okay okay uh sure. gold gold seems to be at an interesting level um and uh, you know rather than looking at the price movement i think we should kind of look at uh, uh the central bankers you know what they are saying what they are doing uh because i believe they'll continue to play a very important role uh as we kind of navigate out of this crisis uh, yeah and they seem to be spending away so okay so uh, as an investor i think asset allocation will continue to remain critical uh, so all we are doing is making sure that our accelerator our brakes our clutches and gear boxes are well oiled mm. and working well for the you know for the journey ahead okay well, let's let's all hope that we have a pleasant or at least you know a uneventful journey ahead because what we've all been through in the past has been pretty rocky folks that is a wrap on this episode of pata vesa just a disclaimer that the views shared in the podcast are the personal views of the guests and do not represent financial advice please consult your financial advisor before making any investment decision saurabh thank you so much for joining us today folks that was saurabh bansal founder finetwork a sebi registered investment advisory firm saurabh thank you so much for joining us today thank you thank you so much anupam And listeners, if you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM Network. You you can listen to us on the IBM Podcast app or ibmpodcast dot com. You can also follow us on our social media. 
We are IBM Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am B50B on Twitter. And thank you so much for listening to Better. No material on the show should be considered as financial advice. The material on the show is for informational purposes only. Please consult a financial advisor before taking any investment decision.